following is a production of Word Alive Creative Arts. Welcome to the podcast of Word Alive International Outreach in Oxford, Alabama, an apostolic center for transformation and freedom. We pray today that you will be blessed and strengthened by this powerful message. Hallelujah. Just remain standing just for a moment as our act of worship, giving to us is worship. And so if you're not, uh, if you're not uh, accustomed to how we give, we don't pass the plate. We basically have boxes on the back or we give online. The Lord said, bring the offering. And so we bring it joyfully to the Lord. But we like to give a decree, not just for us, but to our territory. Would you say this out loud with me today on the count of three? One, two, three. We are giving out of love and thankfulness for all the Lord has done. By our giving, we have taken a step into an abundant place of His supply. Therefore, we declare and decree the promise of double portion provision is released over this place, people, and region. To God be the glory and praise forevermore. Amen and amen and amen. I receive that, don't you? If you're comfortable turning around and hugging somebody and squeezing them, do it. If not, give them a fist bump or a wink, however you feel comfortable with. But just greet someone beside you this morning, and then you may be seated. Thank you, Jesus. Well, good morning. Bev, would you mind joining me just for a moment? Good morning, everyone. We're so glad you're out to worship with us today. We have some special guests here this morning that we just want to uh, recognize and, and honor. We have the Kings all the way from Toronto, Canada. Would you stand up? These guys are all the way from Toronto, Canada. These, uh, these folks are chaplains, and they have a heart and desire to see God establish chaplaincies in every city, in every state in the United States of America to bring about God's purpose and God's ecclesia. So they've come all the way from Toronto today, and they've been here with us this weekend. We're so glad that you guys are here, and we bless, and we bless, uh, we bless you. We have Keith and Carmen Williams, dear friends of ours. These are part of the cohort that God has raised up here in Alabama. They're from Washington County. Uh, down in the corner, and uh, not only are they Holy Ghost anointed preachers, but they're Holy Ghost brisket makers as well. They have a barbecue restaurant that's very successful there, and their restaurant is a ministry center. They were just telling us today that they've had several physical healings recently where people came in to eat, and while there, their team, some of their wait staff, is actually part of their congregation who prayed for them, and they saw supernatural miracles happen in the restaurant. And so we're excited about their journey, and they're partnering with us for the state of Alabama, and we're so excited about that. Also, we're excited about some friends of ours that are with us, Fernando Orwella and his team, and these are dear friends. Would you guys all stand up? These are all dear friends of ours. We're, I think Belkis is here somewhere. In, in, uh... You know God's moving in a nation when he starts sending you prophets from other nations. And God sent them from Bolivia to the United States five years ago. I believe they've been in Florida. And be praying for them. They really feel called to Alabama. 
And so while they're here, they're not only seeking the Lord for the purposes and plans of God, but they're also seeking should they be in Alabama. They feel this is the prophet who saw the angel of justice for our chief justice. And uh, God showed him the angel of Alabama, which is the angel of justice. And God's given them an understanding and prayer and intercession and prophetic movement. And so we're excited that God is sending people to Alabama for the purposes of Alabama. Why? The wheels are starting to turn in Alabama that are going to begin to turn other states. That's going to begin to turn our nation. Look at somebody. Tell them the wheels are starting to turn. Tell them the wheels are starting to turn. Just uh, before I... uh, I want Brian and Ramey to come in just a moment. But before we do, Bev and I wanted to take an opportunity and honor mothers. We're so excited today that we're in church on Mother's Day. And so we want to take a moment and honor mothers. And so as we just start this uh, time of honoring, let's check out this quick video. To all the moms. Moms of children who are still at home or all grown up. Moms who've outlived a son or daughter. Or moms of babies they never got to hold. Moms who've raised kids all on their own. Or became a mom to someone who needed one. Moms of children who have wandered from God. Or the longing to be moms who are still waiting. God perfectly arranged each of you into the role you have today. His word recognizes you as capable, strong, and praiseworthy. Everything you do makes our lives more beautiful. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all of you beautiful warriors out there. Uh, You know, we are created in the image of God, and we as mothers probably come the closest because he gifted us with being able to create life. Amen? So those of you who have warred, who have stood in the gap, who have courageously fought for your children, you, you are the chief bottle washer, you're the chief cook, you're the chief taxi driver, you're the chief everything. I honor you and I thank God for you this morning. And I love what Maya Angelou had to say about her mom. She said that her mother showered her and poured out her love on her so that she knew her value. And because she knew her value, Others were drawn to her and saw the value in her. So to every one of you mothers who have exemplified Christ and demonstrated the love of God and poured value into your children, we celebrate you today. We are blessed coming in and we are blessed going out. And I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed begging bread. So be blessed from sacred rest today. And whether you get to spend the day with your children or whether we're social distancing, or maybe there's another kind of distance, just know that God celebrates the gift that you are, and we celebrate with him. Happy Mother's Day. God bless you, everyone. uh, Thank you, Bev. And happy Mother's Day to you, Bev. And... Also, uh, my mom is 92 years young, and so I want to honor my mom today. Mom, would you stand up? This is my mom. And so uh, my mom's favorite muffin is pound cake muffin. 
And so we are providing homemade pound cake muffins for all moms today. So right after the service, please come to the connection. Join us for a, a pound cake muffin. They are delicious and loaded with everything good. And so uh, we just want to take a moment and celebrate and honor moms. We love you so much and thank you. Thank you so much for taking time to be with us. Or maybe you're watching online. Hope you're having a great day with your family or remembering your mom today. Uh, I just want to talk about moms and families here in this moment of the service before we get into the word of the Lord today. And Brian and Ramey are going to come. We, we've started something exciting. Uh, most of you know we've been gathering only once a month for transformational weekends. We've just finished an amazing weekend. Friday night we had three hours of worship here. And man, we entered into a dynamic place in the spirit of worship preparing for this weekend. Then last night we had a phenomenal meeting where we had almost 300 people going through recovery that were here. And James Nesbitt shared his testimony about how drug addiction almost stole his life and the gift of art that he has been such a blessing to the body of Christ. And we saw a massive wave of deliverance. By the way, you've joined and partnered with us for feeding all of our brothers and sisters that are going through recovery. Right now we're averaging right at 1,500 meals a week, hot meals that are being fed here on campus. Thankful for your generosity for making that available and for our community. But on the Sundays that we're not gathering here at 1 o'clock, we're doing something to help form ecclesia in the home. And so I wanted Brian and Ramey to take a moment and kind of tell you what's been going on there and cast some of the vision of what God's doing. Yeah, we, we are calling it Family Life Sundays because uh, Ecclesia does begin in the home. It begins with us and our children, our grandchildren, our teenagers. They are our first disciples, aren't they? And we, we really need help. Parents, we need help empowering one another and encouraging one another. And so we're gathering on Sundays at 1 o'clock, and we come together as a family right here in this room. And it has been so much Fun. We play games together with our children as a church. We dance and we worship. We pray together. We encounter the Lord together. We pursue the Lord together and as a family. And, and then we, we do things that, that activations that empower us as parents to minister our, to our kids and tools that we can take home and implement throughout the week um, to help us in, our, in raising up. We're calling it, we're calling it the raise up season of life, you know, out of Isaiah 58, rebuild, raise up. This is a raise up season. And, and that's what we want to do. We don't want to neglect our first ecclesia, our home. And so we're really pressing into the Lord for that. And so we're going to come in together. And then after, um, after the worship service is finished in here, we all head over to the kids alive rooms to the, um, and this is where we have clubs. So our youth are totally, so these are some of our art party club. This is for our littles. They had an art party club this last month where they got to create and and be creative and just have unlimited mess. And mama didn't have to clean it up. Uh Uh-huh. And uh, the youth are meeting. This is when our youth gather as well. So our youth group meets on at one o'clock for Family Life Sunday. They are having an amazing time connecting, encouraging each other, praying together. And parents are leading these clubs. Um, our parents are helping to lead these clubs. And what's happening is the vision for kids' clubs is that our kids will get to understand and experience that God is in everything. 
not just churchy stuff, not just sitting and listening to somebody talk or not just specific songs about God, but God is in art. God is in science. God is in laughter and he's in fun. He is in just the acceptance of leadership. So they're, they're, they're getting to experience what church they're, we're getting to help establish their foundational core belief system about what church is, that leaders love them, that church is safe and church is full of joy and that God is full of joy. And uh, so we had science clubs and we're, we're about to start a whole bunch of new ones in June. But am I forgetting anything? It's been so full of life. I just want to say so full of life. And we can feel the, the pleasure and the joy of the Lord in it. We're excited to watch it grow. So please come and join us. Bring your kids, bring your grandkids, teenagers, and um, bring your intercession. If, you're, if you don't want to attend, please pray for us. Pray that the Lord would move mightily in our families because we want to be able to make this an outreach also to bring other families in who would not, normally not come to church. This is a safe place for them to come and provide something sweet for their kids, uh, but at the same time, just get wrapped right up into the love of Jesus. So, I want to say as well, if you know any foster parents in our community, yes. we're specifically reaching out to foster parents to bring those children with them on these Sunday experiences so we can be a blessing to our entire community. And so we're really excited about this project, and Brian and Ramey are doing a fantastic job. I find it interesting when... Um, the prophet showed up from Bolivia. He said one of the first things he recognized because he realized America is divided and the division begins in the family. And he said what was interesting is when we started going to American churches and realized the division actually starts in the churches because we divide the parents from the children at church. And so we thought it was so cool that it was a prophetic affirmation that we're on the right track. We should be doing church together, ecclesia together with our children, not separated. And so we believe God's raising up mighty warriors in our children for the kingdom of God. So thank you for your prayers. Would you stretch your hands toward Brian and Ramey? Father, we just ask for an extraordinary anointing to rest upon them, Lord, to raise up foundations for generations to come. Lord, in children. Lord, let our entire community and territory be impacted by this ministry of ecclesia in the home. And let it not just stay here in the building, but Lord, let it invade every home in our community where we begin to raise up the foundations for generations as ecclesias in the home. We bless them. We bless this endeavor. And we thank you for breathing upon us now as we step into this new season. And we honor you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Can you let Brian and Ramey know how much you love them? We love you guys. Appreciate you so, so, so much. Appreciate the worship. Can you let the worshipers know how much we appreciate them leading us today? We really appreciate that. Blow the shofar over our, over Brian and Ramey. Brian and Ramey, they want to put the shofar over that decree. Bring it, they said. Absolutely. Amen. We receive that. We've had a fantastic weekend. Yesterday, uh, we had an amazing day of the ecclesia as leaders from all over Alabama gathered 
uh, as we sit under the teaching and instruction of Dr. Ed Silvoso as he's helping us align the entire state of Alabama as an ecclesia. This thing started turning in All In Alabama 2020, which many of you partnered with us on, and now it's continuing to move as we've established 12 apostolic hubs in the state of Alabama that are turning. We've just finished the journey from Alaska to Arizona and will culminate at May 21st and 22nd in uh, uh, Robertsdale with Paul Keith as we're now have lined Alabama, Alaska, and Arizona, the, the AA states. You'll be hearing more about that, but we believe we're right here at a very important prophetic time of what God's doing in our state. Most of you know this story, but it's not bad to, re, to, to rehearse it. On Dece, uh, January 3rd, 2018, I had one of the most powerful prophetic dreams I've ever had where God showed me a man in this dream and said I would have a spiritual exchange with him and actually gave me his name, Ed Silvoso. I got up and wrote it down by the bed phonetically the best I could, woke up at 5 o'clock in the morning and Googled it. Thank God for Google. Amen. And uh, I Googled it. Sure enough, here's this man. I read his story. He'd been used amazingly by God in transformation all over the world with Transform Our World, his organization. Chuck Pierce was in my dream. I called Chuck. Next thing you know, I was able to have Dr. Ed on the cell phone. And that day has started a journey with he and I that we have already enjoyed an amazing exchange in our lives. And we are thrilled and we honor him as a pioneering apostolic voice for this season, for this time, for the body of Christ. And we are so honored that God would have connected us with him for his purposes to be filled in our personal life, our families, our spheres of influence, but actually transformation of nations. And so we're honored that he is here today to release the word of the Lord to us. Would you please stand in honoring this apostle of the Lord? Would you welcome Dr. Ed and Ruth Silvoso as they come this morning? We love you guys. Folks, stay Stand it up. Let's thank the Lord for Pastor Ken and Pastor Beverly. Aren't they awesome people? We love you, Ken. I mean, we have been enriched and blessed beyond measure since meeting them, and I'm sure you have to. Let's give them another big hand. Come on, you can do better than that. We love you. We love you. Remain standing for a moment. I am delighted to be here on on Mother's Day with my sweetheart, my wife of 53 years, mother of four daughters, grandmother of 13 kids. She's my best friend, grandkids. <laughs> She's my best friend, my personal intercessor. And we want to pray a prayer of impartation for everybody in your family to be safe. The Bible says, believe in the Lord Jesus and you and your household shall be saved. I mean, and those two go together. You get saved, your household must get saved. So I want you to think right now, anybody in your family who is not saved, we're going to claim that prayer right now. We're going to claim that promise, and they will come to the Lord because the word of God <clears throat> never returns void. Can somebody say amen to that? But we are also going to pray for the Lord to bless your marriage with greater intimacy. 
because the ecclesia begins in the home, but the engine for the home is marriage, and the gasoline for marriage is romance, it's intimacy. Remember when you were dating, you couldn't get enough of each other, you look forward to the next meeting, don't leave it parked back there. It's here today. God wants to revitalize that. And I will ask Ruth to pray that prayer of impartation. Teaching hits your mind and trickles to your heart. Impartation hits your heart and changes your mind. And that's what is about to happen. Let's pray. We are so happy to be here with you on Mother's Day today. We bless all the mothers. And we thank you, Lord, for this time together. Father, we bless all the mothers here. We bless every couple here, Lord. Bring them closer to you. Give them intimacy in their marriage, Lord. We pray for families and for the homes, for the children that are not walking with the Lord, that they will come closer to you, Lord. We pray for the grandkids too, Lord, and for the singles, that they will be married in your will, Lord. Father, bless the homes, bless the ecclesia that starts in the homes. We put a hedge of protection over them. We deliver them from the evil one. Make them strong, Lord, so they can be strong and they can go and reach the world for Christ, Lord, beginning with their city. And we pray we impart blessings in the name of Jesus right now. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. And say, I receive it. And before you sit down, because you are blessed, look at somebody in the eye and tell that person, I bless you in the name of Jesus. Do it. Okay, folks, we are delighted to be here. And the word that I have today is about the anointing. Say anointing. The best way to describe the anointing, the anointing is the breath of God. When God breathes upon something, that thing comes alive. I mean, God created, uh, you know, Adam out of clay. You look at that, it looked like a man, but he's dead until God breathed on it. And the breath of God turned dead matter into a living thing. And that's what the anointing does. And I'm sure you can remember moments in your journey with the Lord that the Lord touched you. That was the anointing. It changed everything. It changed you from where you were to where you are today. I remember November 14, 1958, at 7 p.m., I walked into a storefront church, a marketplace minister was reading the Bible. I have never seen the Bible. I didn't know Jesus. I was raised a Catholic. I had a religion, but didn't have a relationship. And something touched me. My eyes were open. I was born again. It was the anointing. And today the anointing of God will be empowering you marvelously. Because the anointing takes that which is dead and makes it alive. Whatever has been dead or dying will stop today and will come alive because God will breathe upon you. God loves to do that. When you look at the list of the heroes of the faith, 
No one went to Bible school to learn how to be a hero of the faith. I mean, God ambushed them, clipped them from behind, wrestled them to the ground, jumped on them and, and them, and he said, you are mine. And that's what the Lord is saying to you today. You are mine, and I'm going to anoint you today. And I want to use Psalm 23. This is, I'm sure, one of the first Psalms that you memorize. And I want you to read it with me and put Tabasco sauce on your voice so that it sounds loud and clear. Amen? And the count of three. One, two, three. The Lord... The goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is the word of God. That is a living word that never comes back void. But when we look at this, right there you have what we believe. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. That's a powerful statement. It identifies you and me as God's property, and it tells us that we will lack nothing. And then look at the lifestyle. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Keep looking at the screen. When I look at that passage, even though the promise is there, that all the days of my life, his goodness will be there. That I will dwell in the house, in the presence of the Lord forever. The truth is that there are days when I am lacking things. There are days that are not good days. There are days when there is no goodness. So what is wrong? It cannot be the word of God, because the word of God is living. can never be changed. What are we missing? And I highlighted a phrase right in the middle. You anoint my head with oil. Without the anointing, those are promises. Just promises. Without the anointing, it's paper and ink. But when you add the anointing to it, now that promise becomes a lifestyle. That promise changes. And that is what's going to happen to you today. No matter who you are, the Lord will anoint your head with oil today. You see, when we memorize that psalm, we get this picture. Okay, I'm a sheep. He's my shepherd. He leads me by green pastures and still waters, and he guides me and so forth, and he anoints my head with oil. We have no problem picturing all that. But when we have problems, and I learned this later on, is that David is talking literally about sheep and shepherd. And he's saying that the shepherd anoints the head of the sheep with oil. 
And that is something that happened in Israel. It's part of the practice where the shepherd will anoint the head of the sheep with oil for a very important reason that I'll be explaining in a moment. Because God's anointing is what turns ordinary people into extraordinary servants of God. Moses was lost somewhere, and the anointing came, and he became a hero. I mean, Samuel, Daniel, Gideon, Joseph, they were ordinary people. David was the youngest in a very large family, in a small club, in an insignificant place. And the anointing turned him into God's favorite king, Peter, Paul. And that's what the anointing does for you and me. It's the breath of God. Without God breathing on you and me, we are dead matter. We are clay. But the anointing will do it. And we need to understand that the anointing is used for at least three things. Number one, consecration. Number two, physical healing. Number three, <clears throat> sanctification. It's used for consecration for kings, priests, and prophets. I mean, ordinary people were anointed. And the moment the oil was poured on them, a shepherd became a king. A baby became a prophet. That's what the anointing does. It's a mark of God. It's a claim of God on people. God is saying, you are mine. And this anointing marks you for life. So that is for consecration. And we are priests and kings. So that you have been anointed by the Lord. But there is also an anointing for healing. If anyone among you is sick, then call the elders to pray, anointing him or her with oil in the name of the Lord Jesus. Right there, you have the connection between anointing and healing. And then in Psalm 23, the reference to anointing is an anointing for healing. Why? Because the shepherd anointed the head of the sheep with oil. Why will he do that? Because the worst enemy of the sheep is not the biggest one. It's not the bear. It's not the lion. I mean, those can be seen. They, they can be protected. The worst enemy is the tiny nose fly. It's a fly that gets inside the nose of the sheep. And it's the most lethal enemy because it's the most common is the most numerous, and is the one that can get inside her and destroy her from within. And that's what the devil does. I mean, he will not come with a raw adultery, with a, uh, being hooked to pornography, with embezzlement of funds, but he will get inside of us through something that is the equivalent to the nose fly. The nose fly hovers over the sheep's head and deposits eggs that roll into the nose like through a toboggan. They get inside the nose and the nose becomes an incubator because it has humidity and heat. And that egg hatches and when it hatches, the larva comes out of the egg and gets inside the nasal passages and, and stuff the head of the sheep 
and it can even get into the brain. A little tiny insect does that. And it causes recurring headaches, occasional blindness, and even dementia. And when a sheep is infected with a larva that came from an egg that the fly deposited on the head and it rolled down to the nose and it was breathed in and it, and it hatched, it, those headaches cause the sheep to become irrational. I mean, it begins to bang its head against the rocks. It doesn't make any sense. And it runs away from the flock and it falls off a cliff. And that is the picture of a backsliding Christian. A backsliding Christian, somebody who got saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, rescued from a life of sin, prospered and blessed by the Lord, all of a sudden begins to these, these irrational things, banging his head against the rocks, so to speak. Questioning things that were so clear when they became believers. They ran away from the flock, from the church, and eventually they fall off a cliff. Because the devil deposited an egg that made it into the brain and caused dementia. Why does a shepherd anoint the head with oil? Because it prevents flies from landing there. If they already laid eggs, it immobilizes the eggs. If the sheep is already infected, it relieves pain and it evicts the larva. And my friend, if the devil has infected you, if you are doubting the word of God, if you are slipping back into sin, if you feel that you are falling, God is anointing your head with oil today. There is nothing you have to do. He is your shepherd and you are a sheep. He will do it whether you want it or not because God loves you and he's faithful even when you are unfaithful. Somebody say amen to that. And the best protection against the nose flies for the sheep is to stand in a circle close to each other, facing inward, not outward, with the head down and, and, and away from, from, from head to the ground. And that is a picture of the fellowship of believers. We come together. We are next to each other. We bow before God. And that doesn't give the devil an opportunity. But when we take the opposite posture, and God uses us, and we become cocky. Oh, I'm a prophet. I'm an apostle. I have this gift. I do this. I do that. Look what the Lord does through me. We begin to lift up our head. And that makes us a target. If you're a good leader, you go one step ahead of the flock. If you are a carnal leader, you go five steps ahead of the flock. And you become a target. Because you have to smell like the flock. You have to feel the flock there. And we have to understand that humility is what really protects us. And it's that anointing that the Lord is going to give us today. But there is also an anointing for sanctification. Sanctification means 
to set aside. Sanctification is God branding you in the same way that cattle are branded. And you look at the brand and you say it belongs to that ranch. God has branded you. He has sanctified you. It says in Revelation, I give you a name that no one knows. When God speaks to your soul, he speaks a word that the devil doesn't understand. The devil knows your biological name, but he doesn't know the name of the new birth. And that's what the spirit does. It communicates to you. That's what the speaking in tongues does. It bypasses your mind and communicates in the language of angels. And that's because of sanctification. You see, that this anointing is chosen and powered and backed up by heaven. This is what the anointing does. And somewhere in your soul, there is a stamp that says, made by God. Made by God. You have been bought by a price. And this anointing, which is described in Exodus 30, 22 to 33, is so special that anybody who misuses should be put to death in those days. Because that anointing empowers you extraordinarily. And you don't have to confuse the anointing with the anointer. We need to understand that whatever God does in us and through us, he's the source and we are the delivery boy. Or else we'll be as silly as the woodpecker that hit the tree at the very moment that lightning struck the tree. And as he was flying away, you know, he said, I didn't know I have all that power at the tip of my beak. No, he happened to be in the right place at the right time. And listen to the Holy Spirit, whatever you do. I mean, don't get drunk with praise. Praise is like perfume, I smell it, but don't drink it. When people begin to call you a man of God, a prophet, an apostle, whatever, watch out. Watch out. We are just the delivery boy. And then when people miss that, they don't get put into physical death, but they die spiritually. They lose the joy. They go through the motions. They build the church. Believing God for it, and God blesses them, and they end up counting attendance and offerings every Sunday. What a tragedy! That's why the way you received the offering was so God honoring. You made the declaration, and then people give the offering. Why? Why not? It's the will of God. And then it says, Take the finest of spices, myrrh, cinnamon. Fragrant cane, cassia, and oil. Each one of these spices has a special function. Mirror is to relieve pain. When you are given mirror, it takes the pain away. Jesus was offered mirror mixed with vinegar when he was hanging on the cross to alleviate the pain and praise God, our beloved Lord, turn it down because he wanted to suffer the fullness of the pain that he paid for you and me. He was also offered mirror at birth and at the tomb. Cinnamon is add, add flavor and aroma to arrest the stench in the temple. 
Because those sheep were normal sheep. They ate and they disposed of what they ate. When they, when they sacrificed them, they bled. The place was not a pleasant place. There was an ugly stench there. But the cinnamon sweetened that which is bitter and covered mass that which is foul. And it's very, very important that in the same fashion that we need near to endure the pain that we have in life, that we have in ministry, we need the cinnamon, you know, to mask the stench that often comes in ministry. And then you have fragrant cane to increase the appetite. It's a digestive enzyme. And revival requires that we first empty ourselves of junk food to digest God's word properly. You see, each component has a function. That you have kasha to purge. It's a laxative. It's to eliminate what is blocking us. And it grows between seven and 8,000 feet. We must go to the mountain of God. We must climb and perch ourselves. It's so important for us to go and have a discipline. Where we live in the southeast corner of our balcony, it's the presence of God. It's a mystery why he's there. When we dedicated the house to the Lord, we knew that he was all over. But that corner, you can feel it. And every morning, before I fix a cup of tea or coffee for Ruth or myself, before I do anything, I go in my pajama to that place and I stand there because I'm seeking God. I want the cashier. I want to purge me. And then you have the olive oil. It's the largest component. It integrates all the others and it's produced by pressing, crushing, and squeezing, and heating by fire. Whatever is in the olive must be pressed, crushed, squeezed, and eventually purified by fire. Our Lord Jesus was pressed in the garden. He came to the very limit of his humanity. And he said, Lord, not your will, but my will. And my friends, is the oil that drives us to that point where we think we cannot take it anymore. And that oil comes upon you and me. And like Jesus, we're able to say, not my will, but your will, Father. And we receive the anointing. That's why it's so important. Our character is the container for God's anointing. In 1 Timothy 1.19, we are told, to be diligent in maintaining, you know, a clean conscience because many suffer shipwreck with regards to their faith because they overlook a clean conscience. The word picture that Paul is using is that in those days there were no internet, no telephones, no telegraph. The only way to know that a ship has suffered shipwreck is because it didn't show up in port. And so often, you know, we go to churches and somebody who looks so promising five years ago and we ask about that couple or that young man, people say, we don't know what happened. One day he stopped, suffered shipwreck. And it was because there was a hole in the hole of the ship. My best friend, 
the guy with whom we preach on the streets of Argentina. I mean, he was so anointed, so gifted. I mean, he was three years younger than me, and I mentored him, but I knew that he will go farther, much farther than me, because he had gifts and talents that I didn't have, and I rejoiced at that. And then when we came to study here, and I went back after many years, he met me one night, and he was leaving the country, going to Australia to live. And he told me, Ed, I want you to know I no longer believe in God. And that shocked me. How can that be? And then he came back from Australia, defeated. But he went into business, and he had a gift, and he made money. And he recovered his faith, and he lost it again. And eventually, when I'm counseling one day, I took him one year at the time, and I said, Reuben, in this year you have faith, yes. The following year, yes. But this year, no. What happened? And then he says, Ed, I remember clearly. It was the first time that I cheated a customer in my business. He overlooked a clean conscience. And then his character suffered. You see, there is a difference between flies and mosquitoes. When a mosquito lands on your skin, you know that it's there because it makes itself noticeable. It makes contact. It, it really bites you. A fly flies over and contaminates you. And that's why it's so easy. And, and so are flies hovering over your head today depositing eggs inside your nose? Is lava finding its way into your brain? And how does that happen? Innocent thoughts. One moment, the devil drops a thought. Maybe I married the wrong person. Which, oh no, no, it's the right one. But in that two seconds, the egg landed. And then the person repeats a mistake, saying, yep, Maybe I did marry the wrong person. And then it begins to escalate. Or maybe, no, this person will never amount to anything. I told him once, I tell him again. Well, no, I'm going to be merciful. But between those two, it landed. And we go from moral to amoral. And from amoral to immoral. No one falls into sin. We roller skate into sin. We move progressively into sin. And that's why we have to be. And look, and we are told in Ephesians 4.31, actually before that, that we give room to the devil through our anger. When we go to bed angry, we give a jurisdiction for the devil, which means that we go to bed with the devil. Who wants to go to bed with the devil? But it's so interesting that that picture of the devil having authority over you and having jurisdiction doesn't begin with anger. begins with unwholesome words. It says in verse 31, let no unwholesome words come out of your mouth, but only those that edify the one who's listening, that extend grace to the one that needs grace for the edification of that person. What are unwholesome words? It's truth without grace. It's telling the truth without grace. 
You see, our Lord Jesus, we read in John 1.25, was full of grace and full of truth. The first thing that people saw was grace. Grace is good for only one thing, sins. He attracted sinners because he had written here, welcome, welcome. He was like the father of the prodigal son. And once they were in his embrace, he spoke the truth to them. But when we use unwholesome words, we say, you will never change. You did it again. I'm sick and tired. You are hurting me. That is true, but it doesn't edify. And look what happened, you know, that unwholesome word degenerates into bitterness. Bitterness into anger. Anger into clamor. Clamor into slander. And slander into malice. And malice means that you no longer believe that anybody can change. Everybody's a hypocrite. But it didn't begin with that. It began with unwholesome words. It began with truth without grace. And that's why it's so important today for you to know that the Lord is your shepherd. That he will leave the 99 alone and he will come after you. That the Lord is next to you right now. That the Lord sees your dryness. That the Lord sees your irrational acts. That the Lord sees your rebellion. And he tells you, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You are my child. I am all yours. You see, it's so important for us to understand this. Because in the armor that we are to wear against the devil, we have to wear the belt of truth. That's when we realize that Jesus is the truth. And that leads us to the breastplate of righteousness. That's our salvation. Then the sandals of peace. That's prayer evangelism, speaking peace to our enemies. But look at the next one, the shield of faith to extinguish the flaming arrows of the enemy. That's the only part in the armor that is made reference to the devil. And what is he using? Fiery darts. Why is he using fiery darts? Because he's on the outside trying to get in. And he cannot get in unless that fiery dart lands on combustible material. And that combustible material is unwholesome words that degenerate into anger. And then that, and if we can put out those flaming arrows, now we put the helmet of salvation. And that is not your personal salvation. That's evangelism. The helmet is in the highest place. It's to proclaim people the God. And the fight it does reveal that the evil one is on the outside trying to get in, like the nose fly. He has been fighting those thoughts, keeping you awake at night, whispering in your ears. But God, you are here. The Lord is your shepherd. He will anoint your head with oil. He will cause that pain to go away. God is here. So remember your first Pentecost? Remember the first time you were filled with the Holy Spirit? Remember when the Holy Spirit overpowered you? You didn't know what it's going to be like and it was extraordinary? It was like puberty. 
No one went to a doctor to get an injection for puberty. It hit you from within. It changed the way you think, the way you look at other people. Remember when you fell in love? Something happened inside of you, and you loved that girl that you didn't love before. Well, the same thing is here. That Pentecost, I remember I was struggling with sin in my life. I was crying out to God for victory. I was a teenager. I wanted to shake the shackles of sin, and I couldn't. And I said, Lord, I need power. And in Spanish, the word for power is poder. And that's the same word that Jesus used in Acts chapter 1a. You shall receive poder. You shall receive power. And then I said, Lord, I need power. And the Lord said, what you need is to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I have never been baptized. But I said, Lord, I need it. I need it. And at that moment, the sheets in my bed felt like water. And I felt the Lord pushing me under. And when I came up, I was speaking a new language. And I was overflowing. And I had a joy I never had before. And the next morning, I was a very shy boy. I got on my bicycle. And I witnessed to every relative. And I led people to the Lord. Why? Why not? Because of the anointing. I want you to remember that. Because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If it happened once, it can happen again. It should happen now. It should happen today. Somebody say amen to that. It's what sets you aside, what empowers you. But in the same way that routine and familiarity kills intimacy in marriage. When you live looking back, that's all it does. Ruth and I have a prayer drive, a 17-mile drive between two lakes and several hills there in California. And it's so sweet to go there listening to music and talking and feeling the presence of the Lord. We do it almost daily. It's such a replenishing of the anointing. But one day, I have gone by myself. And I was having a great time with God. I felt his presence. And the Lord took me back to November 14, 1958, when I had nothing. And he became everything. And then he took me to the day I asked to preach. And he anointed me. And I preached. And then he took me step by step. Everything that I gave the Lord, he gave it back to me many times more. And I was rejoicing. And then there was silence. And I couldn't hear God. And it's the type of silence that wives use very effectively. When they are not talking, but they are talking through their silence. And you end up asking, honey, what did I say? What did I do wrong? And I said, Lord, what is it? He says, Ed, when you have very little, you trust in me for everything. And now that you have a lot, you trust me very little. What a hit. I repented. I said, Lord, I need another Pentecost. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then the anointing fell on me. And so you see, 
be filled with the Holy Spirit is a continuous thing. The candelabra in the temple burnt oil 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because it represents the presence of God. And, and that's why we have to be anointed every day. Not only when we come to church, not only when somebody prophesies, because the outcome of a race is determined by how you finish and not by how you start. You can only start a race if you're strong enough. It's how you finish. But how you finish is determined by what happened between the start and finish. It's determined by what happens Today, and the Bible says in Hebrew, if the Lord speaks to you today, do not be rebellious. Make faith to your hearing, because today is the day that the Lord is speaking to you. So we have to be filled continuously. And I want you to answer these five questions in your heart. Have you lost the ability to endure pain that you used to endure before? If you have, you are short or near. Have you allowed bitterness to set in? Before, you were so positive. God can do anything. He can turn it around. But now you are becoming cynical. You are short on cinnamon. You did that which provides sweetness. Things can be very unpleasant in ministry. They can be very unpleasant in marriage. Can be very unpleasant raising kids. But if you have enough cinnamon, you can handle that. Has your spiritual walk turned into a routine that eliminates hunger and expectation? You did fragrant cane. I shared with some of you yesterday that for our last Christmas, our kids and one of our daughters, Jessica and Benji, who are very involved with your worship team and others on Zoom calls and having a ball, they took the love letters that we wrote to each other, close to 3,000 letters, I mean, over seven-year courtship. And every day now, Ruth and I are reading five or 10 of those letters. And it's so exhilarating, so energizing, because we are always looking forward to something else, and to the wedding, and the honeymoon, and the kids, and the house. I mean, dating is exciting. Because you're looking forward to something more. And that's what the anointing does. We need fragrant cane to create hunger. Have your mind, body been defiled and need a purge, a laxative. We need kasha that provides inner cleaning, cleansing. Have you run out of oil? Oil is the integrator of all the components for the anointing to flow. Jesus said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And now to his innermost being shall flow rivers of living waters. Look at that word picture. Somebody's thirsty. But that person will turn into rivers of living waters. Where are those rivers coming from? From the innermost part. Who is in the innermost part of your soul? The Holy Spirit. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. But if today you let the anointing fall on you, if you let God anoint your head with oil, instead of being thirsty, you will be overflowing with 
rivers of living waters. Oh, my friends, listen to the Holy Spirit right now. The Lord is your shepherd. Say, the Lord is my shepherd. He's the one that carries you. He's the one that cares for you. He's the one that, that will anoint you today. He will pour oil over your head so that those flies cannot land. If they land the eggs, they will not move. If they infected you, he will relieve the pain. If the larvas are perforating and getting into your brain, they will come out. Why? Why not? All things are possible with God and so Father I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ I pray in the name of the one who suffered every temptation and yet did not yield so that he can rescue us I pray in the name that is above all name that now Lord people be anointed with oil that the anointing of the Holy Spirit that the holy golden oil of the Holy Spirit touches them at this very hour. Oh Lord, I take authority over all power of the evil one. I break every word curse. I break every ancestral curse. I break everything that have told them you cannot do it. And I say you can do all things, all things, all things through Jesus Christ that gives you the power. I declare that the anointing of God is being put upon you right now, right now. And if you want to receive it, stand to your feet, lift up both your arms and say, Lord, I want it, I want it. Don't let the devil tell you you don't deserve it because you don't deserve it, but you will get it. You will get it. Why? Because the Lord loves you. He's anointing your head with oil. That pain, that sadness will go away. Get on your feet. Lift up your arm and say, Lord, I want it. I need it. I receive it right now. Yes, in Jesus' name. But we hear this song about the golden oil. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Tell the Lord, Lord, I'm receiving it. Is your holy golden holy golden
Father, we lift our hands to you today as an act of receiving. We receive the word of the Lord. You are our good shepherd. Father, thank you for being so concerned about us, we your sheep, that you have provided us the holy golden oil of your anointing so that we might flourish that we might lie down in green pastures and live beside still waters. And though even we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to fear any evil for you are with us. You prepare a table before us even now in the presence of our enemies. Our enemies are having to watch us today be anointed with fresh oil from heaven, knowing we will gain the victory. And so, Lord, we bless you. We honor you and we receive this fresh anointing today. And we receive it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Can we give the Lord another hand of praise this morning for all that he's doing? Amen. I challenge you, when you go home today, as an act of faith, Find you some oil. It can be Crisco. It's okay. Anoint your family fresh. Just anoint your, anoint your spouse. Anoint your children. Anoint the door of your house. Anoint, anoint your prayer room. Anoint your Bible that you're going to get fresh revelation. Anoint your checkbook. Anoint whatever you think needs to be having fresh oil on it because I'm telling you today there was an anointing that was released through the apostolic word of the apostle that is a season of fresh oil. Anything that was running dry is about to begin to overflow and flow again. We prophesy it to be so in Jesus' name. Can you tell Dr. Ed and Ruth how much you appreciate them being with us here today? And would you stretch your hands toward them? They have been laboring. They've been running around like 25-year-olds with the gospel. They've been to Nashville. They've been to Pennsylvania. They've been to New Orleans. They're seeing Jesus invade bars in New Orleans. They're dedicating churches and restaurants and businesses as ecclesias. And now they're flying all the way back across the United States to California. We say as they have poured out the anointing on us, another measure goes back with them to California with strength and youth and power and anointing and grace to continue to run with this ecclesia message in this apostolic season. We bless Dr. Ed and Ruth today from this place with all our spiritual faith to say we bless you, we love you, and we honor you in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Be blessed. I'll see you out in the connection for some uh, muffins and celebrating Mother's Day. 23rd, not next Sunday, the next Sunday, we'll be celebrating Pentecost, 10 a.m. with Chuck Pierce. Look forward to it. I love you guys. Be blessed. This has been a presentation of Word Alive International Outreach, 122 Allendale Road, Oxford, Alabama. Reach us by phone at 256-831-5280 or at our website, wordalive.org. This has been a production of Word Alive Creative Arts.